0: What's going on Revo, friends and fam in the room? So glad that you're hanging out with us today. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, man, thanks for being here today. If you're watching us online, YouTube, Facebook, uh, through the website or Vimeo, we're glad you're here. Even though uh, you can't be in the room with us, we would love to see you soon. We'd love to connect. Um, and, uh, man, I, we're, we're in the middle of this series and, and I know there are people in the room, maybe people watching online that took the gimme five challenge. And so that was on Easter. Uh, we asked everybody like, like, if you don't have a church home, just gimme five. Like five Sundays in a row, let's just see what God can do, right? Let's just see what what God can do in your life. Maybe over these five weeks, you will find exactly what you were looking for. So this is week four. If that's you, I'm proud of you, man. Next week is the final week, and if you hate it after next week, then you don't have to come back until Christmas. Everybody comes back at Christmas. Um, So, man, thanks for giving it a try. Uh, If you didn't think my jokes were funny, you're wrong. Go find another church, right? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) They are funny, though. Um, So we're going to close out this series, this teaching series, next week answering this question. Why doesn't God answer my prayers? I don't know if you've ever prayed a prayer and God didn't answer it. Or maybe God gave you the exact opposite thing that you were asking for. Why does God do that? What's up with that? Like, if he's not going to give you what you want, then why do you even pray? Why do you even ask? If he doesn't give you an answer, then why waste your time? That's the question we're going to talk about next week. So if you have ever prayed and you didn't get an answer or it didn't happen the way you wanted it to, or you're still waiting on an answer, you need to be here next week. We'll close down the series uh, on that. But today we're going to talk about something, a subject that not a lot of pastors like to Talk about, uh, not a lot of people like to hear about. Uh, and the reason I know that it's a subject and a topic that has a lot of questions around it is essentially based on how. I hear people talking about this particular subject. The way that people use this word, especially in slang, is so interesting to me. It started for me, like the first thing I remember about this is uh, there was a band called ACDC that came out with a song. You guys big ACDC fans? All right, put your put your hands down, sinners. Okay, <laughs> that was a trick question. That's <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> oh man, if you were to ever listen to it, then there's this song that came out in 1979 called "Highway to Hell." And it's interesting because when people sing this song, like if you ever see a concert of ACDC, like a video of it, there will be people in the audience, they are fired up during this song. They got their hands in the air pumping and all of a sudden the lyrics come on, I'm on a highway to hell. And they're excited about it. (laughs) Never seen somebody on the highway to hell and they're so excited to get there there's no stop signs or speed limits. Nothing is going to slow you down, right? And so you see that and you're like, man, I, I don't know if you should be fired up about that or not. I'm not real sure. I'm not real sure how, how I feel about that, but, but, but there's that. Uh, undoubtedly, another thing that you may hear a lot is we have no idea what the temperature in hell actually is. Uh, because we have these two phrases that, that people use. I'm not saying you people, but other people have used them <laughs> occasionally. Um, you ever had, uh, if you have something that has a very small, likelihood of actually happening, you may say something and then another person's response would be like, yeah, that'll happen when there's a cold day in hell, right? Or when hell freezes over. You ever heard that before? So undoubtedly hell is a hot place and uh, it never snows there, never freezes over and it's not going to be cold. Interestingly enough, about two months ago, I was walking out of the grocery store. A man was walking into the grocery store. He looked at me dead in my face and says, man, it is cold as hell out here (laughs) it can't be both okay like it can't you can't tell either either hell is really cold like our coldest days outside or hell never gets cold and it won't freeze over it cannot be both people we got to find we have no idea what we're talking about we we don't have you ever heard somebody talk positively about hell I've heard people uh, that I guess they have just accepted the fact that they're going to go to hell when they die. And they'll say phrases like, well, it, it, I'm going to go to hell. But at least when I get there, all my friends will be there and it'll be a party. <laughs> uh, it, it's almost like the idea of hell is there's this place where you can go, that you can do everything that God won't let you do here and there will be no consequences for it. And so if that's what hell is, then sign me up and all of my friends are going to be there. So I'm looking forward to it. That, that's some people's mentality that they have around hell. And so there's just a, a lot of misconceptions, a lot of things that people will say. And it just lets you know, man, there are some questions that need to be, to be answered about hell. They did a study in evangelical churches in America. And, and hell is one of the least talked about topics in all of churches. And they found this out because they said pastors don't like to talk about hell and and no one sitting in the audience actually likes to be lectured on hell. I don't know if you've ever been at a church like that before where like the, the, the preacher talks about hell and, and hell, talks about hell a lot and, and it can be uncomfortable and people will say that hell is a very divisive issue and like how dare you say that, that somebody else is gonna go to hell but you're not and, and you think you're right and you have the only way and unless you do what what you wanna do or believe in what you believe in, then nobody else goes there. Like there, there's just a, a, a more positive mentality would be just be to think, well, God's going to let everybody in, right? I mean, everybody's going to go to heaven. There, there is no hell. Surely a good God would not allow people to go to hell. He wouldn't, he wouldn't let that pass on on that. But the reason why I think that, that a lot of people don't like to talk about the subject and, and, and people don't like to hear about it is because of, of bad experiences on how people have talked about it in the past because normally when people talk about hell or a preacher preaches on hell, they will spend the entire service trying to beat you up over it, right? They're clenching their Bible and they're swinging it at you and like sweating profusely and lots of yelling. That's, that's a given in a hell message. There has to be lots of yelling. And it's like hell, fire and brimstone. And I'm like, bro, by the way, you're sweating. Like you're halfway there, bro. Like, I don't know getting crazy and so no one wants to get come to church and get beat up right and and then and then other people will will, when they talk about hell they look at people and say because you're bad people that's where you're gonna go because you're sinners and because you don't do the right thing I don't know if you ever heard that your boy right here is different we're gonna talk about hell in a different way I wish that I could take credit for this but this is actually how Jesus talked about hell every time he talked about hell So Jesus never brought up the subject of the topic of hell to beat people up. He never would take the topic of hell to look at people that were far from God and say, and that's where you're going. If you don't stop sinning, if you don't get on the right track, then that's where you're going to spend eternity. See, Jesus talked about hell for one sole reason, to keep people out of it. That's all he thought. It wasn't a guilt trip. It wasn't fear. It wasn't trying to scare people into making a decision or make them feel guilty about what they did the night before so that somehow they could sign a connection card and get their name on the roll. It was none of that. Jesus didn't care about any of that. It was all about making sure people were clear so that people would never end up there. And so that's what I wanna talk about today. We're gonna talk about what Jesus talked about when Jesus talked about hell and answer the question what's the deal with hell? What, what, what is, where, what, what, what's the subject? What's going on? Is it real? Is it not? What's it like? Like, where, when is it? Where is it? How, how does this play out? And Jesus tells us this story in Luke chapter 16. If you have your Bible, let's do Luke chapter 16. You can open up the app. All the notes will be there or the words will be on the screen. But Jesus tells this really powerful story uh, about hell. And he tells it from the perspective of someone that dies and spends five minutes there. He gives us a narrative of the first five minutes of what it's like when you die. Really powerful story. In Luke chapter 16, this man gets a a taste of what hell is really all about. And in verse 19, here's how Jesus tells the story. Uh, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linens and who had lived each day in luxury. At his gate, the, the, the fence outside of his property, lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And his soul went to the place of the dead. In the Greek, that's the Hebrew for Hades or hell. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. There's four things if you're, if you're taking notes, you're jotting down notes. Again, all these will be in the app, but four reasons why Jesus tells this story. There's four reasons why he is so clear And so urgent about the topic that we're going to talk about today. The first one is this. you got to get this. If you don't get this, the rest of it does not make sense and you really won't care. Ready? Number one, write this down. Jot it down. Everybody dies. (laughs) Everybody dies. I know what some of you are thinking. How much did you pay for your seminary to learn that, right? Everybody dies, right? It seems like a no-brainer. But without this, like this is the, the starting point. First and foremost, Jesus wanted to drive home the point every person dies. And he does this by setting the table, giving a contrast between two individuals. There was this rich man, right? He was dressed in fine clothes, had everything that he wanted, ate all the fine foods, lived in a great house, very secure had great health, great health care, all the things that a person would, would want. He lived life to the fullest here on earth, did not have a single need. And then scripture said, but there was a man named Lazarus that was sitting outside of his gates that would have been the total opposite. This man was homeless He had nothing. His health was deteriorating. He longed just for the scraps. Imagine that, like, just going to a trash can at at a restaurant and just trying to dig out, like, a, a piece of pizza crust that someone threw away. That's how hungry he was. He's like, man, if... If that rich guy would just take his trash out, I can go through it and, and eat whatever he le- had left over. That's how desperate he was. Very different guys, different socially, different. Everything about their life was different. And then Jesus pulls a fast one. He says, Guess what? Both of them died. You wanna know why? Because everybody dies. I don't care who you are, I don't care where you live. I don't care what your history is or what your background is. Like there's a lot of different people in the room. Like, like there are people that they, they, they're convinced like they, they wanna live the most healthy life possible while they're here on earth. They wanna diet, they wanna exercise, uh, they wanna take care of themselves and, and like they're lean, they're muscular, they're they're he- healthy, like however they would describe it. Um, these are the people, like they're, they're both sides of the spectrum, but these are the people and you know who you are. Um, they eat clean, they're uh, cage-free, free. Free range, non-GMO, organic, keto, paleo—fill <laughs> in the blank. And then there are the rest of us that, when we get to McDonald's, we're trying to figure out how to add bacon to everything that we're ordering. <laughs> right? Can I get bacon with those fries? Is that—is that a thing? Can you just wrap it around the box or? Um... <laughs> He's like, yes, sir, would you like an apple pie with that order? No, I'd like two apple pies (laughs) with that order along with a large Mountain Dew. And don't put too much ice in it. I know what you're doing. Two totally different people. And guess what? Jesus said both of them die. I don't care how much you exercise. I don't care how much you diet. You're going to die and the person that doesn't do it is going to die. Everybody dies. Everyone's final destination is the same. Right? Some of you go to the gym every day. Some of you, the only gym you know is a Slim gym, And so, right, <laughs> everybody died. And that's where I wanted to start this morning because if you don't think that, if you don't have an urgency about your life, if you don't think about what's going to happen when you die, then none of this matters. The rest of it is just fluff. This is why I tell you guys that, I know this sounds morbid, but a funeral is my favorite service to preach because everyone in the room, is thinking about what really matters. Everyone is thinking about life and death. Even if you're just sitting in the audience, you will look at that casket and say, I wonder what my funeral is going to be like. I wonder what the pastor is going to say at my funeral. I wonder if there'll be as many people at my funeral as there are in this funeral. I wonder where my funeral will be. I wonder if I'll get buried or cremated. I wonder when it's going to be. Oh, this person died of whatever. I wonder what I'll die of. And everyone is thinking, no matter, it's it's one of the only times where everyone pauses and thinks about life and death and what happens when I die. And I love being able to stand in front of an audience and speak when their mind is focused on the one thing that really matters. And what's the deal with eternity? And what happens when I'm in that box? And what do I need to do now to prepare myself for what, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it at my funeral, and what happens in my eternity? All of those things, man. When I'm at a funeral, like everybody in the room, you will end up in the casket one day, and I will be up here preaching your funeral, unless I die of too many Slim Jims first, and then it'll be, (laughs) it'll be reversed. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. Let me let me repeat what Jesus said in verse twenty-two. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham, carried to heaven. The rich man also died and he was buried and his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. Jesus told this story for a second reason because he wanted to make it absolutely clear, okay? Absolutely clear. Number one, everybody dies. Number two is this, death is not the end. Did you catch that? Because a lot of people would read this story and say, the rich man and the poor man died, period. And a lot of people live their lives that way. Like, this is the only thing that matters right here. Right here on earth, these years that I have, like, I'm gonna make it count. This is the only thing that matters. This is the only thing I care about. I wanna go out with a bang. But Jesus told a very different story. Some people believe uh, that when you die, uh, you just kind of cease to exist, um, some people use the term soul sleep. You know, so we know your body dies, but then your soul, what happens to your soul? Well, it just, just goes to sleep, right? You just take this eternal nap, and that's what happens. There's, there's no such thing as eternity. Or maybe just when you die, that's it, Right? I mean, they they put you in a box or you get cremated and, and we can dig that casket up 100 years from now and there your bones will be. You'll still be just right there. So just do whatever you want to while you're here. Make it happen. Have fun. Go out with a bang while you're here. And a lot of people believe that. They Believe that once you die, that's it. There's nothing more to it. So just enjoy your life now. But Jesus preached a very different message than that he gives us the insight that when you die, it's not the end. It's not like when you die, the the back cover of the book closes. No, Jesus says the page turns, but you begin a new chapter. The story's not over. In fact, you're going to realize your time here on earth was only a few pages compared to eternity. So you got to understand, you got to know everybody's going to die and 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 number two, death is not the end. It's not over. That's not the finish line. When you move from this life to the next, there will be a next for every single person, the rich man and the poor man, the one that had everything and the one that had nothing, the healthy person and the unhealthy person. Everybody ends up in that place. And so in verse 24, we continue. Jesus says, now the rich man shouted, the rich man was looking up, saw Lazarus in heaven. And he he shouted, he said, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his fingers in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. Here's the third thing Jesus makes really clear. And there's a lot of misconceptions about this. I don't want you to be fooled. Number three is this, write it down. Hell is real. It's not make-believe. It's not a state of mind it's not a metaphor, Uh, it's not just some dude standing there with a little black pitchfork and horns and a tail. Look at the language that Jesus uses. The way he describes it is just just vivid, like this isn't just make-believe, this isn't just a state of mind. And he talks about he's being tormented by the flames. and and like Let's just talk because he just got there, okay? This isn't like after hours of dehydration that he's been down there. He says, he looks up and and he says, can you get just Lazarus to dip it? Think about how disgusting this is. Can he dip his hand in some water and then put his hand in my mouth? Look, you got to be thirsty to want that. And that's how he's tormented. That's how parched he is. That's how dry it is. That's how miserable it is. It's not make-believe. Jesus writes it out vividly. And there are people today that believe, like, look, look, hell is not real. Uh, Either we cease to exist when we die or when we die, everybody goes to heaven. Uh, Surely, right, God would not let people not go to heaven, right? He's supposed to be a loving, caring, and forgiving God. And, 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 and people will say, well, if you're not good enough to get into heaven, then some religions believe that you reincarnate, right? So you, you live another life, or you come back as an animal or something different, and eventually one day you'll just keep living life after life after life after life after life. And, and one day, then, then you'll get to heaven and, and everything will be good, but, but, but hell itself is not real. Lots of people uh, think that. And one of the reasons why they think that is they struggle with this idea that a good and loving God would allow people to go to hell. How in the way? If it's torment, if it's that bad, Nathan, then if God loves us, then why would he allow people to go there? And they especially, I don't know if you've had this conversation with people, they especially get offended when they find out that the Bible says that there's actually one way to God. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through his son, Jesus Christ. You want to make somebody angry? You want to get called some names? (laughs) You want to be called narrow-minded and exclusive? Try to share with someone that there's one way to God, one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. You get called every name in the book, which always surprises me because you can see that in one of two different ways. Like Some people will say there's one way to heaven, and they'll get mad at that. They'd be like, wait, there's only one way? How close-minded is that? Like, hey, look, if that's the God you worship and there's only one way to heaven, I don't want anything to do with it. Like, count me out. That is so wrong. It is so mean. It is, like, that's just not right. On the other hand, I'm over here like, wait, there's a way? You You mean to tell me there's a way? There's a road, and I don't have to pay for it? And it was a free gift from God. And there is a way yes please I'm, I'm t- give me the way only one way like I'm fine with it like I'm just glad there's a way are you kidding me I'm a sinner I deserve to be separated from God I deserve the eternity away from him but you're telling me there's a way there's a gift it's like this this is the best way I can learn how to describe it. today what if you went home and you realized you won the lottery and it was like 900 million dollars here's the problem though the lottery company calls you and they say, look, you are the proud new winner of $900 million. Here's the problem though. We only have it in $10 bills. (laughs) That's a lot of $10 bills. And we're sorry to inform you that we only have it in stacks of $10 bills. And unfortunately, we don't have a Brink security truck. So if you want it, you're gonna to have to come to our office and get it. Now, how many of you are gonna say, only $10 bills? Mm-mm. <laughs> only poor people spend $10 bills. If you can't give it to me in 20s, I don't want your money. <laughs> What's, don't you feel like you're being a little exclusive to Benjamin Franklin? And I gotta pick it up myself? You mean to tell me I gotta rent a U-Haul and drive it to your office and pick it up yourself? You know what? I don't think it's worth it. You can keep your money. (laughs) Nobody's gonna say it. If that's you, call me. Immediately call me. (laughs) Because I will drive, I will call that office and say, you tell me when, you tell me where, and I will bring that U-Haul truck and I will stack those $10 bills from the ceiling to the roof. I'll roll the window down on the way out the parking lot and say, I'm rich. Doesn't make any sense, does it? So, why would we look at God and say, wait, there's only one way? Hmm, you can have it then. Oh, there's only one. Oh, oh it's just Jesus? No, no, there needs to be more than one way. There needs to be more than one way to get it. Me, more than one path. Like, that's ugly. <laughs> like, who would reject the greatest gift in the world because it didn't come packaged the way you wanted it? Nobody. But yet, this is what a lot of people will do. And they're given the opportunity to accept a gift. I want a different gift. It's not something you're going to get a do over on later. It's a real place. In verse 25, but Abraham said being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. There's a huge spance of of space and time separating heaven and and hell. So no one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over from us from, from there. This, this rich man in hell is crying out. He's like, man, like, like, throw me a lifeline. Get me there. Help me there. Like, let's, let's make it happen. And, and Jesus gives us this the fourth idea behind this. Um, there are no second chances after death. It's the last thing, to write down. Everybody is going to die. Death is not the end. Hell is real. And last, there are no second chances after death. Jesus wanted to make it very clear there is not a scenario where you die. And you stand in front of God and God says, so one more chance. So which curtain do you want? Uh, wait, Wait a minute. Before you decide, let me peel back this curtain and show you what's behind it. This man is begging that he be given another chance. Begging that he would have another opportunity. Begging that this would not be his fate. And the scripture is clear. like There are no second chances, man. The decisions that you make here on earth right now will determine what happens when you move from this life to the next. There will be no do-overs. There will be no give me another chance. There will be no reincarnation and let me try it again and I'll try to be a better person and I'll, I'll try to run it again. You will not have another chance. There won't be another opportunity. And Jesus wanted the people to be really clear on that. I'm not going to twist your arm. I'm not going to scare you. We don't have the heater turned up really high in here to make you kind of feel it. I'm just being honest. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. And Jesus didn't come on emotional or strong or ugly or mean and wave it over people. He just said, hey, I want you to have all the facts in front of you. Because this is a matter of eternity. This matters. Here's how the, the story closes, he said, then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him, send Lazarus to my father's home. For I have five brothers and I want him, I want Lazarus to go and warn them because I don't want them to end up where I am here in torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. Isn't that amazing that Abraham's response was, hey, your brothers that are here on earth living, Um, they have the Bible and all of the instructions are in the Bible. All of the next steps are in the Bible. All of the truth is in the Bible. All they gotta do is pick it up and read it. All they gotta do is look at it. They don't need somebody else to come knock on their door. They don't need a ghost to show up in their room in the middle of the night. They don't need an angel to fly down. They have everything they need. Moses and the prophets, this was the Old Testament that he was talking about. They have the Old Testament that says how a person before Jesus would get to God They have it all right there in front of him. They can make the decision on their own. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham. But if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, then they won't listen even if someone rises from the dead. Do you see that last point that Jesus made? He said, four people, that understand the four things that I just said, that hell is real, that there is a final destination, that there are no second chances. If you understand and know that for real, then as soon as this man understood this, you know what happened? The only thing he cared about was making sure that other people didn't go. He said, please, I will do it. This guy could care less about anything spiritual his whole life. He spent five minutes in the reality that eternity is real. And all of a sudden, he's like a Billy Graham evangelist now. He's like, no, send me, send them, send anybody. Somebody's got to go tell them. My five brothers can't be here. My family can't go here. We can't do this. Like, we got to do anything. God, like, please, anything, please make it happen. We don't want people to go here. And Jesus closes it down with that that, that, that when we understand these things, we ought to have an incredible urgency about our lives, that our friends, our family, our neighbors, complete strangers that we would meet on the road. If we knew this guy knew, then we would stop at nothing to make sure that people knew that there was an opportunity for them not to spend their eternity there. Interestingly enough, one of the most memorable stories I've ever been told on eternity in heaven. One of the things that that they do is after every show, the the two magicians will come down in the front row, and they will shake hands with anybody that's there, and they they will stay there. They said for sometimes just speaking for me because they love their audience they love their fans so much and so every night they're in Vegas after sellout shows they're on the front row shaking hands and talking and and, and he says you know I, Penn is a the, the bigger guy is a, a pretty open atheist and he said I, I think it's because I'm an open atheist people love to come up to me after shows and talk to me about religion and you know, you have these Christians that'll come up to me and say, you know, God is real. And you know, there's a, there's that'll come up to me and say, you know, God is real. And you know, there's a, there's a way that you can get to God and it's through his son, Jesus Christ. And you don't have to spend it like heaven and hell are real. And you don't have to spend an eternity away from God. And, and the reporter during the interview asked him, he said, doesn't it bother you when those religious people come up to you and start, start telling you those things? And his answer was interesting. Uh, Penn said, nah, I actually like it. I actually respect it a lot. Here's what he said. Because if you believed that hell was real and you believed that anyone that didn't believe in Jesus would spend their eternity there, he said, how much would you have to hate someone to not go and tell them? I mean, we're talking about like deep hate for someone that you know that unless they turn to jesus and repent of their sins that they will spend eternity in hell and you're not gonna tell them he said i don't believe it and there was a little kid playing in the middle of the road and we looked over down the road and at the top of the hill there's a big 18 wheeler coming down the hill problem is the kid didn't see it he said what would you do the so obvious answer is you, you would start yelling at the kid, hey, get out of the road. And he said, well, well, what if the kid didn't believe that a truck was coming? What if the kid didn't believe that if he got struck by the truck, that it would kill him? What if the kid just looked at you and said, trucks aren't real, I don't believe in them? He said, yeah, but you as an adult, you know the truck's real and you know if the kid doesn't move, then he's gonna get killed by the truck. So what do you do? You run out there in the middle of the road and you grab him. He said, it doesn't matter if he thinks trucks are real. It doesn't matter if he's going to cry and kick and scream because he's mad because you won't let him play in the road. If you think the truck is real and you know that it's going to hit him and kill him, then you stop, you do whatever you can to stop it. Welcome to the world that we live in. Well, what happens if if the person I'm talking to doesn't think hell is real? So? So? What happens if they're going to get mad if I talk to them? So? What happens if they reject it? We still got to tell them. Every one of us would run out in the middle of that road and grab that child and do whatever we could to save him. And this atheist that doesn't even believe in God, heaven, or hell said, that's what the Christian life is all about. That's what I think of when these people come up to me after every show and shake my hand and present the gospel to me and tell me about Jesus and ask me if I wanna turn of my sins and repent and come to him because they know the truck is real and they know when it hits someone, it's over. How much do you have to hate someone to know that and be unwilling to share it with them? And the interview ends. Like, wow, what a powerful thought. You and I have friends and family and neighbors and complete strangers that we know that are far from God. And I understand, man, you're taking a risk. I understand that that they may say no. I understand they may think you're a weirdo, but you gotta understand we are in a world where kids are playing in the road and there is a truck coming fast. And our responsibility is to do whatever we can to help people know that hell is real, that death is inevitable, that you will get no second chances and that Jesus is the way. And God has made a way. (laughs) What great news. There's a way and his name is Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, for those of us in the room that know who your son Jesus is, that are well aware of all of the things that Jesus was proclaiming and making very clear in this story, Luke 16. God, I pray that right now you would create a sense of urgency in our hearts and lives, that we would not become complacent, that we would not look at a world that was playing in the middle of a road and we knew the truck was coming and stand by and do nothing. God, I pray that we would be people that would risk it all to clarify this question of what is the deal with hell? What is hell? Where is it? Who goes? How do you avoid it? How do you stay out of it? God, give us that passion. And for those here today, God, that, that may have just realized like, I'm the kid in the middle of the road And and something inevitable is coming my way and and decisions that are made right now can alter my eternity. Like there there won't be a second chance. There won't be a do-over. This is it. This is the only life I live. God, I pray right now that you would give them the wisdom to know what to do with the words that they have just heard and that they would accept the gift of salvation that only comes through your son, Jesus. Pray and ask those things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at